Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You are listening to the non-microwave truth today. Thank you for being here. Praise the Lord. This is a Time of Grace production, and I am C.L. Whiteside. And someone who found out I had a podcast the other day asked me, like, hey, why do you call this a non-microwave truth? And I said, because most good things can't be thrown in a microwave. You ever tried to cook a steak in a microwave? They was like, ah, I get that. I was like, it's the same with God's word. Our culture is all about trying to speed up the process and thinking they have to have it now. I can't wait. I need it now. But if the Lord tells you to wait or to cook it a certain way, like he usually does, then you better do it that way. Let's get into our first world problem question today. And I need you to answer this first. Who is your favorite athlete or celebrity? Who is your favorite athlete or celebrity? You got it in mind yet? I think mine and a lot of Milwaukeeans has to be Giannis Antetokounmpo. Dude is just everything you want a superstar to be. He's got the dad jokes going. He's an awesome leader. He plays hard as ever. He's not a prima donna. And he had the opportunity to leave Milwaukee and go to, quote unquote, a bigger market. But dude was like, no, I'm staying here and I'm going to win a ring for these people. He wasn't trying to take the easiest way like we've seen some superstars do. And because of that, I respect him immensely. So Giannis would have to suck for a lot of years for me to stop liking him. But the question is, what would a celebrity or athlete have to do for you to stop idolizing him or her? Like, I don't say I idolized Giannis, but I do have a lot of respect for him and appreciation for what he does. But a lot of people idolize athletes and or celebrities. So the question, the first word problem question is this. What would a celebrity or athlete have to do for you to stop idolizing that man or that woman? And maybe you don't idolize anyone. So what do you think it would take for the average person? What would it take for the average person to stop idolizing that athlete or that celebrity? And I just thought about this because, man, the NFL, the NFL is something else. It's America's greatest game, I think a lot of people would say. But the NFL seems to be the worst and have the most double standards. Who the NFL seems to love and then who the NFL seems to not love is quite interesting. And I'm going to give you an example. The Cleveland Browns have a quarterback who's been accused of a whole bunch of sexual misbehavior. I'll just say that. But I saw a picture where some Brown fans, they made a joke about their quarterback getting suspended at a tailgate. They had like this mannequin that appears to be laying on a massage table and the mannequin has an erection. And now at the bottom of the table, it says happy endings are not illegal. Boy, that's crazy. Like if you can throw that ball, they're going to root for you. But if he couldn't throw that ball, I guarantee they would be on his heels. And I'm a Green Bay Packer fan. And I can tell you without a doubt, some Packer fans have worshipped our last two quarterbacks. Well, one is still present. But the former one has been in the news for taking some welfare money. And when I say welfare money, I'm talking about millions of dollars that was supposed to go to welfare funds, but went to some college athletic facilities in Mississippi instead. And then the current quarterback led people to believe he had a COVID shot. He's been talk about, talking about doing psychedelics or hallucinogens and they're not being a god. Is that enough for either one of them to stop being idolized? What do you think? Do you think the average person would stop idolizing them? I remember the main athlete 
that I remember getting destroyed in the media, man, and by people too, was Mike Vick. Woo, when Mike Vick had that dog stuff come out, people were talking about putting him on an electric chair, killing him, saying he should never ever play in the NFL again. And he got destroyed and he did prison time. But what I have seemed to notice, and you definitely can tell me if I'm wrong, is we seem to let people off the hook if we can relate to them more. Like, I didn't even know dog fighting was illegal until Mike Vick. I guess that's like a city thing. But that doesn't make it right. But it does make it more relatable when you see certain things. Michael Vick looks more like me than he probably does you. So again, that makes him more relatable for me. I think those are things we don't like to admit to. But again, the question is, what would make you or what would make the average person stop idolizing an athlete or a celebrity? What would they have to do for the average person to stop idolizing? them? And it's going to keep happening where things keep coming out. The Boston Celtics coach talking about getting suspended a whole entire year for sexual misconduct. And at first people was like, man, that's not even that bad. Boston is crazy for letting this get out. But then more and more keeps coming out to the story. And best believe I am not condemning any of these men. I will condemn the action, but I will not condemn the man because I don't know their hearts. And that's not my place at all. But first real problem question is this. What do you think it would take for the average person to stop idolizing athletes or celebrities? And when I listed off some of these celebrities and athletes, did one story and one person make you more angry compared to another? Why is that? But love to hear from you on Instagram or Twitter. My handle is championlife23, and this is our first world problem. It is dinner time. The title of our episode today is, Cause I'm Happy. Now tell me if this statement is true for you, and you agree with it. Everything I do has to make me happy. What do you think about that statement? Do you agree or do you disagree? And then next, I want you to think about this. What percentage of your day should you be happy? 100% of the day? 50% of the day? What do you think? What is your goal on a specific given day? Now, I got to tell you right away. We get this mixed up, though. We get pleasure mixed up with happiness. And we're going to get right into the word today. Proverbs 21 verse 17 tells us this. It said, whoever loves pleasure will become, take a guess, will become poor. Whoever loves wine and olive oil will never be rich. Now, let me paint this picture for you, especially if this was like 5,000 years ago. And you were told a man is eating cold, delicious, plump green grapes. And he has access to these grapes whenever he wanted. They think you were talking about a king. <laughs> and I was just thinking about this the other day. Been doing this devotion, reading the book of Proverbs, and I'm sitting on the couch, chilling, eating some grapes. I mean, the grapes were fire. My wife picked out a great batch. And I just started thinking like, I've eaten like a king. Like life has gotten so easy for us and we have it so good that we just take so many things for granted. But 5,000 years ago, if you told somebody they were eating cold grapes on a couch, feet kicked up, able to read a book, they'd be like, oh, you're talking about a king. And I'm, I'm far from a king. And it's just like perspective. 
I drive to work. Even if you don't drive to where you need to go and you don't have a car, you can catch the bus. Even if you don't want to catch the bus and even if you had to walk, like let's say I had to walk, I still am not walking through a forest or a jungle or a desert. There are streets. And this is where I just think about some things and I'm like, man, we as Americans, we are spoiled. And it's like life is pretty easy and we got it so good. Like if you told someone this 5,000 years ago, what would they think about us now? How happy would they be to be in our position, in our situation? But forget about 5,000 years ago, 1,000 years ago. Forget about 100 days ago. Forget about yesterday, today. I just want to be happy. Do you ever find yourself saying that? Do you ever feel that? How many people on a given day are actually saying that to themselves? I just want to be happy. What is actual happiness, though? One definition of happy that I came across said to be delighted or pleased over a particular thing. And I got a non-microwave truth for you. Happiness is overrated. Wait, let me clarify. The pursuit of happiness and trying to find it through earthly stuff, earthly treasures, earthly rewards, that is what's overrated. We have been taught or we have been brainwashed that our definition of happiness, it has to come from what the world tells us. It has to almost come from the devil. Like think about Adam and Eve. They ate the forbidden fruit. Why? To be happier. They thought they were going to get a greater delight or to be pleased in a different way. Or think about the man in Matthew 19 verse 21. When Jesus is like, if you want to be perfect, go sell your possessions and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Dog was like, hold up, wait a minute. That ain't going to make me happy. That's going to make me broke. I can't give up everything that brings me pleasure or that once brought me pleasure. Because it seems as though he knew something was missing, but he didn't trust that Jesus was able to fix it. He didn't trust that Jesus was enough. He was wrapped up in trying to find pleasure instead of finding truth. Or how about the rich man in Luke chapter 16, verse 19? It says there was a rich man who dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. It said every day. So like every day he was able to find pleasure. But when he died and it was all over and he's in hell, he found out he was chasing the wrong thing because when he was alive, he saw this man named Lazarus at his gate laid up, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from his table, the rich man's table. Like even the dogs came and licked Lazarus's sores. That's nasty. Like, ugh, that that's nasty. Now, helping Lazarus would have caused the rich man some of his pleasure. But him only being concerned about his earthly happiness and earthly pleasures, that cost the rich man his soul. And on this episode of Cause I'm Happy, how much should we be happy, though? How much focus or how much weight should we put on finding pleasures? Is it wrong to be happy? Absolutely not. So we're going to break this down a little more. I heard a pastor talking about if you were always happy or you were happy doing certain situations that were bad, that would make you a psychopath. 
Like if you ever saw the movie Batman and the Joker is just smiling and all happy when the people are going crazy and people are dying. and He's why so serious. Dude is crazy. And the same is true for us. If you were happy after a bunch of people just died or you injured yourself or were in a bunch of pain or you just got a divorce and you're like, I'm really happy. That would be weird. And if we look at Jesus's life, Jesus wasn't always happy. He was able to empathize and he was able to show compassion because of this. Like, look at how Jesus responds in John chapter 11 when he found out his homie Lazarus had died. He didn't say, oh, I'm so happy he's in heaven now. No. When Jesus saw Mary, that's Lazarus' sister, weeping, and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And that's where we get that famous two-word passage from. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. So yeah, like in the grand scheme of things, it's not even healthy for us to always be happy, especially in the way that people talk about earthly happiness. And I started thinking, what are the top five things that bring me pleasure or I would say make me happy? I'm going to give you five in no particular order, but I'm going to give you five. Sex. I enjoy having sex with my wife. Winning. I love to win. I like that competition aspect. Drinking socially. Notice I said drinking socially. I think that kind of puts in perspective like being with people because never been a fan or liked drinking by myself. And if you know me, I, I enjoy fruity drinks, fruity drinks of choice. Eating good. I'm a foodie. That brings pleasure to my life, having a good meal or just trying something that is just mwah, good. And I was going to say entertainment, but to be more specific, I would say watching athletics, preferably basketball, football. And now up there for sure is tennis. Now, with that list of five that I gave you, all of those things in my life I have not had for an extended period of time or a season or seasons in my life. And you know what? It was okay. It was a season where I needed to, or seasons where I needed to keep my dipper in my zipper. And it was okay. It was a season. It was been a couple of seasons. I think I got like two seasons where I went defeated as a coach, meaning did not win a game. There's been seasons where it's like, nah, I don't, I don't feel like drinking. Or maybe the people, you know, you be around certain people, especially if they're drunk and they're just annoying. That, that's the thing too. I don't know if I've ever had a season where I felt like I wasn't eating good, though. And believe it or not, watching athletics has not always been entertaining. Like sometimes you can come across some bad teams or just like, ugh, this is, I don't want to watch this. And I had to share this with you. I think that there's something that people think makes me super, super happy, and that would be working out. But I, I don't think people understand that that's a give and take relationship. Like, Every time or most of the times when I work out, there is some type of discomfort that I have. But I've come to the realization that I rather have this type of discomfort than the discomfort of I'm tired from just walking up a flight of stairs or I can't move the way I want to. And like when I talked about winning, you have to prepare and practice to win. You can't control the results. So you definitely got to fall in love with the process and enjoy that. 
And with the top five things that I told you make me happy or, or bring me pleasure, there are boundaries and limits to those things. And it's not because God is like, I don't want you to have any fun. It's because God is like, CL, I love you. I'm looking out for you. I want the best for you. I want to protect your soul and who you are as a man. And God is not opposed to us having pleasure, but he wants us to have the pleasure in his backyard where he has built the fence for us. He's protecting us from the neighbor's dog that wants to chew us up and spit us out. I started to say the neighbor's lion, but I think that would have lost some of y'all, even though the devil's talked about as a lion. You, you get what I'm saying? But anyway, a lot of us prioritize things that really don't matter in the grand scheme of things. Like if you think about big picture thinking, if you think about earthly happiness, earthly happiness, earthly pleasure is always going to be temporary. And it's really, 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 really hard to appreciate happiness and know what happiness is if you and I have never experienced difficulty or trials or tribulations. And it's definitely OK to be happy. It's OK to be joyous when God has provided those those moments in your life. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 14 tells us. Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. That's the New Living Translation version. I heard a pastor talking about like, you know, the difference between happiness and joy is that happiness depends on what happens and depends on your circumstances. And I thought that was kind of cool. But then when I got to looking at Galatians 5 verse 22 and 23, I really started to think about like, OK, what are the fruits of the spirit? What are the, the presence and the gifts of being a child of God? And this passage summed it up very nicely. It says, but the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things. There is no law. I looked up like five different versions and kind of wonder, like, why didn't they use the word happy or happiness? And then just like research, all right, what's the difference between joy and happiness? It talked about happiness is an outward expression while joy is an inner feeling. I read something that said joy endures hardship and trials and connects with meaning and purpose. A person pursues happiness, but chooses joy. And again, joy is a fruit of the spirit. And I just thought that was a dope distinction between the two even though a lot of times we use the word synonymously. And for the purpose of this episode, I'm going to use them like synonyms again. So on this episode of Cause I'm Happy, joy or what we will call is godly happiness is a real thing. Things godly happiness is not though, that does not mean that life is struggle free. That doesn't mean we're getting our way all the time, especially if it's the fleshly stuff and especially if it goes against God's word. And even if we did get our way with everything, we would still fill a void if we didn't have Christ, if we didn't know Jesus. This is the reason why so many individuals who are rich and successful have major voids in their life and they're still miserable. Like Mike Tyson, I saw a video where he was talking about like getting everything that he desired, his flesh desired was like the worst thing. It was like the worst test ever. He said that he had the best three years of his life, not when he was rich, but when he was in prison. 
He said he had peace. He said the money doesn't mean anything if you don't have your peace, your stability, and your balance. You need your sanity to dictate any part of your life. And I know I've thought to myself, if I just had more of this or more of that, I'll be happier. But that's a microwave truth. So let's look at things that God, godly happiness actually is, though. The happiness that God wishes to bless us with is rooted in God's vision for our lives. That's the first one. Second thing, we have to realize that earthly treasure, it may come, it may not. The thing is, when it's our sole focus or it's the only focus, that's when it's tough to maintain happiness or find it at all. It's not a long lasting solution. This is why people are rich and still miserable or successful, but they're still searching. They could even be loved and celebrated, but they're still bitter and they're still angry. True biblical happiness is found in the satisfaction of our innermost desires and voids being filled by God. We seek not earthly treasures, but heavenly ones. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Third one, true biblical happiness is not a denial of the hardships in life. It's more like peace and contentment, contentment and hope. It is the deep contentment that comes from knowing that we are never alone. Matthew 28 verse 20 tells us, and surely Christ is with you always to the very end of the age. We always have something to look forward to. We always have and know that God is working for our good. And the fourth thing is knowing our identity in Christ helps us stand firm despite the displeasure or the frustration or the spiritual attacks or voids that we may carry within. Identity in Christ. And on this episode of Cause I'm Happy, hopefully, hopefully one day, I can choose joy and have that fruit of the spirit coming out despite some bad stuff happening in my life. We got to look at Paul and Silas to close this up. Paul and Silas in prison. This comes from Acts chapter 16, verse 16 through 40. They had got beat. They got flogged. They got locked up like they got thrown in jail and they didn't deserve it. They were doing God's work. Ooh, I would have been so mad. I would have been heated. But listen to how Paul and Silas responded. This is verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. I know those other prisoners had to be like, these brothers crazier. They must have popped some pills because they got beat up. They all bloody. They must have bumped their head. But, you know, that's a fruit of the spirit to have joy in a situation like that. And if you, you go ahead and read that. In Acts chapter 16, it talks about how a violent earthquake shook the prison. All the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up like, oh, man, I got to kill myself because the prisoners, they got to be gone. And Paul is like, don't harm yourself. We are all here. Those prisoners figured out real quick. He wasn't crazy. He was just filled with the Holy Spirit. I pray. I pray. I pray I can be like Paul and Silas one day. I read some commentary and it says, though they were arrested, beaten and imprisoned for doing good, Paul and Silas were filled with joy and sang praises to God. It seemed as if nothing would make them stop praising God. Anyone can be happy in pleasant circumstances, but real joy comes from within. 
and is a gift available to Christians at all times. Instead of cursing men, they bless God. And to close on this episode of Cause I'm Happy, it's not all about the happiness of this world or what we often confuse with pleasure. Pleasure of this world will fade away. The world microwaves the truths and tells us life is all about seeking as much pleasure as you can, but it's not. Pleasures, they can be good and fine, but don't be surprised if pleasures are one of the main things that try to distract you from relying on God and looking to please him and instead just pleasing yourself. It's about godly happiness. It's about contentment. It's about hope. It's about trust and satisfaction that only our God can give us and allow us to be privy to. And this, my friends, is the non-microwave truth. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Cause I'm Happy. Peace punch, Captain Crunch. Say no to drugs and yes to Jesus. I'm out.